Long History, Henry Hudson, Journey 3, Port 5, The Atlantic Coast, Virginia, The Carolinas, Chesapeake Bay and the Delaware River. How did New York's famous river the Hudson and Canada's vast Hudson Bay get their names? Find out here on Long History about Hudson's four historic journeys. Hello and welcome to Long History. In Long History we like to rescue documents from the vaults and serialise these historic events and adventures into episodes of 10 minutes or so. All our histories are written by eyewitnesses to the events themselves. And when you've listened to this episode, feel free to explore some of our other series, including Sir Francis Drake, Columbus, Magellan, early explorers of the mainland United States, such as Hernando de Soto and Cabeza de Vaca, and many others. There's lots to explore here on Long History. And the document we're covering here is Henry Hudson's diverse voyages and northern discoveries and in this episode we're well into the third voyage of four in total. In the previous two journeys Henry Hudson headed to the north and to the northeast in the attempt to find a passage from England to the far east. Now he's trying again by the northwest. There are 25 episodes in total to this series so don't forget to subscribe in order to be informed when the remaining episodes are released. And where are we in this episode? Well, Hudson had crossed the Atlantic and reached the North American continent at Newfoundland and then he headed south. In the last episode he reached the area of today's Massachusetts. And in this episode, in terms of coastline, he visits some of the United States most populated areas today, visiting areas today known as Virginia, down all the way to South Carolina and he then heads back up north and he explores the area of today's Delaware and New Jersey and must also be passing North Carolina and Connecticut at some point. Now of course Henry Hudson can't use any of the modern names because they haven't been given yet. So at the end of this episode we'll go through the events in the episode and specify at what point Henry Hudson has been where according to investigations by historians given in the footnotes of this text. The events in this episode took place over 400 years ago in August and September 1609. So here we go with Henry Hudson, Journey 3, Part 5, The Atlantic Coast, Virginia, The Carolinas, Chesapeake Bay and the Delaware River. The 13th. Fair weather and hot, the wind at northeast. We steered away west and by our compass two and twenty leagues. At noon we found our height to be 37 degrees 45 minutes and that our way from noon to noon was west-southwest, half a point southerly. The compass was 7 degrees and a half variation from the north point to the west. The 14th. Fair weather but cloudy and a stiff gale of wind, variable between northeast and southwest. We steered away west by south, a point south, all day until nine of the clock at night. Then it began to thunder and lighten, whereupon we took in all our sails and laid it a hull, and hulled away north till midnight, a league and a half. The 15th, very fair and hot weather, the wind at north by east. At four of the clock in the morning we set sail and stood on our course to the westward. At noon we found our height to be 37 degrees 25 minutes. 
The afternoon proved little wind. At eight of the clock at night, the wind came to the north, and we steered west by north and west-northwest, and made our way west. The compass varied seven degrees from the north to the west. The 16th. Fair, shining weather, and very hot. The wind variable between the north and the west. We steered away west by north. At noon, we found our height to be 37 degrees, 6 minutes. This morning we sounded and had ground in 90 fathoms, and in six classes running it shouldered to 50 fathoms, and so to 8 and 20 fathoms at 4 of the clock in the afternoon. Then we came to an anchor and rowed till 8 of the clock at night, the wind being at south and moonlight. We resolved to go to the northward to find deeper water. So we weighed and stood to the northward, and found the water to shoaled and deep from eight and twenty to twenty fathoms. The seventeenth, fair and clear, sunshining weather, the wind at south by west. We steered to the northward till four of the clock in the morning. Then we came to eighteen fathoms. So we anchored until the sun arose to look abroad for land, for we judged there could not but be land near us, but we could see none. Then we weighed and stood to the westward till noon, and at eleven of the clock we had sight of a low land with a white sandy shore. By twelve of the clock we were come into five fathoms and anchored, and the land was four leagues from us, and we had sight of it from the west to the northwest by north. Our height was 37 degrees 26 minutes. Then the wind blew so stiff a gale, and such a sea went, that we could not weigh. So we rode there all night, and hard rowed. The 18th. In the morning, fair weather, and little wind at north-northeast and northeast. At four of the clock in the morning we weighed, and stood into the shore, to see the deeping or shoaling of it, and finding it too deep, we stood in to get a road. For we saw, as it were, three islands. So we turned to windward to get into a bay, as it showed to us to the westward of an island. For the three islands did bear north of us. But toward noon the wind blew northerly, with gusts of wind and rain, so we stood off into the sea again all night. And running off, we found a channel, wherein we had no less than eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve fathoms water. For in coming over the bar, we had five and four fathoms and a half. And it lieth five leagues from the shore, and it is the bar of Virginia. At the north end of it, it is ten leagues broad, and south and north, but deep water from ninety fathoms to five and four and a half. The land lieth south and north. This is the entrance into the King's River in Virginia, where our Englishmen are. The north side of it lieth in 37 degrees 25 minutes. You shall know when you come to shoaled water or sounding, for the water will look green or thick. You shall have 90 and 80 fathoms and shoaling apace till you come to 10, 11, 9, 8, 7, 10 and 9 fathoms and so to five and four fathoms and a half. 
the 19th. Fair weather, but an hard gale of wind at the northeast. We stood off till noon and made our way southeast by east, two and twenty leagues. At noon we cast about to the westward and stood till six o'clock in the afternoon and went five leagues and a half northwest by north. Then we cast about again to the eastward and stood that way till four the next morning. The 20th. Fair and clear weather. The wind variable between east-northeast and northeast. At four of the clock in the morning, we cast about to the westward and stood till noon, at which time I sounded and had two and thirty fathoms. Then we tacked to the eastward again. We found our height to be 37 degrees 22 minutes. We stood to the eastward all night and had very much wind. At eight of the clock at night, we took off our bonnets and stood with small sail. The one and twentieth was a sore storm of wind and rain all day and all night, whereof we stood to the eastward with a small sail till one of the clock in the afternoon. Then a great sea break into our forecourse and split it. So we were forced to take it from the yard and mend it. We lay a try with our main course all night. This night our cat ran crying from one side of the ship to the other, looking overboard, which made us wonder, but we saw nothing. The two and twentieth, stormy weather with gusts of rain and wind. In the morning, at eight of the clock, we set our forecourse and stood to the eastward under our foresail, mainsail and mizzen. And from noon to noon, we made our way east-south-east, 14 leagues. The night, reasonable dry but cloudy, the wind variable all day and night. Our compass was varied four degrees westward. The three and twentieth, very fair weather, but some thunder in the morning, the wind variable between east by north. At noon we tacked about to the northward, the wind at east by north. The afternoon very fair, the wind variable, and continued so all night. Our way we made east-south-east, till noon the next day. The four-and-twentieth, fair and hot weather, with the wind variable between the north and the east. The afternoon variable wind, but at four of the clock the wind came to the east and south-east. So we steered away north by west and in three watches we went 13 leagues. At noon our height was 35 degrees 41 minutes, being far off at sea from the land. The 5 and 20th, fair weather and very hot. All the morning was very calm until 11 of the clock. The wind came to the southeast and south-southeast, so we steered away northwest by north two watches and a half and one watch northwest by west, and went 18 leagues. At noon I found our height to be 36 degrees 20 minutes, being without sight of land. The 6th and 20th, fair and hot weather, the wind variable upon all points of the compass. From 2 of the clock in the morning until noon, we made our way north by east 7 leagues. In the afternoon the wind came to the northeast and veering to the east-southeast. We steered away northwest 15 leagues 
from noon till ten of the clock at night. At eight of the clock at night we sounded, and had eighteen fathoms, and were come to the bank of Virginia, and could not see the land. We kept sounding and steered away north, and came to eight fathoms and anchored there. For the wind was at east-south-east, so that we could not get off, for the coast lieth south-south-west and north-north-east. At noon our height was thirty-seven degrees fifteen minutes, and we found that we were returned to the same place from whence were put off at our first seeing land. The seven-and-twentieth, fair weather and very hot, the wind at east-south-east. In the morning, as soon as the sun was up, we looked out and had sight of the land. Then we weighed and stood in northwest two glasses, and found the land to be the place from whence we put off first. So we kept our loof and steered along the land, and had the bank lie all along the shore. And we had in two leagues off the shore five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten fathoms. The coast lieth south-south-west, and is a white sandy shore, and showeth full of bays and points. The stream setteth west-south-west, and east-north-east. At six of the clock at night we were thwart of an harbour or river, but we saw a bar lie before it, and all within the land to the northward the water ran with many islands in it. At six of the clock we anchored, and sent our boat to sound to the shoreward, and found no less than four and a half, five, six, and seven fathoms. The eight and twentieth, fair and hot weather, the wind at south-south-west. In the morning, at six of the clock, we weighed, and steered away north twelve leagues till noon, and came to the point of land. And being hard by the land in five fathoms, on a sudden we came into three fathoms. Then we bare up and had but ten foot water, and joined to the point. Then, as soon as we were over, we had five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, and thirteen fathoms. Then we found the land to trend away north-west, with a great bay and rivers. But the bay we found shoaled. And in the offing we had ten fathoms, and had sight of breaches and dry sand. Then we were forced to stand back again, so we stood back south-east by south, three leagues, and at seven of the clock we anchored in eight fathoms water, and found a tide set to the north-west and north-north-west, and it riseth one fathom and floweth south-south-east. And he that will thoroughly discover this great bay must have a small pinnace, that must draw but four or five foot water, to sound before him. At five in the morning we weighed, and steered away to the eastward on many courses. The northern land is full of shoals. We were among them, and once we struck. And we went away, and steered away to the south-east. So we had two, three, four, five, six, and seven fathoms, and so deeper and deeper. Now there are clearly frustratingly few details here about the places where Henry Hudson visits, but historians have deduced the places Hudson has visited by the descriptions he gives here. For example, when he says, 
This is the entrance into the King's River in Virginia, where our Englishmen are. And a footnote here says that Henry Hudson wouldn't have known exactly where these Englishmen were, and this was his reason for not visiting them. Three islands are mentioned here, along with some sort of strait, which Hudson mistakes for a river entrance. And a footnote says this is the area of Prout Island. Now it's supposed that Henry Hudson reached South Carolina because of the following quotation. At noon our height was 35 degrees 41 minutes, being far off at sea from the land. And a footnote here says this has been calculated to be off Nags Head in South Carolina. So we assume by that point that Hudson is reluctant to enter lands that have already been explored and claimed, I think, by the Spanish. And he's also looking for a northwest passage, not a southwest passage. So he turns and heads back north again. And he seems to be at Chesapeake Bay in the following quotation. And we found that we were returned to the same place from whence were put off at our first seeing land. And he seems to be at the waters around Delaware in the following quotation. In the morning at six of the clock we weighed and steered away north twelve leagues till noon and came to the point of land. So once again there are frustratingly few details in the text itself. And these details are particularly frustrating given the following quotation. This night our cat ran crying from one side of the ship to the other, looking overboard, which made us wonder, but we saw nothing. And I do wonder why was this particular detail included? Especially when we consider the conclusion of the next voyage, without wanting to give away too many spoilers. Who cares about a cat? And there are a lot of men on this voyage who must be getting along or not getting along. Events must be happening on this ship. Relationships are growing and being broken. These are pioneering explorations. And yet all we hear about is this detail with a cat. Oh well. Now in the next episode, there are more events. And the difference seems to be that Hudson begins to interact with some of the local people. He also enters the area at the mouth of the Hudson River and the Staten Island area. So this is where some of his most famous explorations begin. In the meantime, if you've liked this episode, please do give it a like. Please help Long History on its mission to rescue these documents from the vaults by sharing this episode with like-minded people. This was Henry Hudson, Journey 3, Part 5, The Atlantic Coast, Virginia, the Carolinas, Chesapeake Bay and the Delaware River. Thank you for listening everyone and goodbye.